Hey, this is a question um, that I was asked the other day. Um, you know, because I get I get two types of clients, right? Majority of my clients, uh, you, you know, you got you got people who want to know how to watch works, and you have people that just want to know, you know, what time it is. And so a lot of my clients just want to know, hey, look, what time is it? You know, teach me a little bit of how to watch work so I have some understanding of what I'm doing, but just tell me, just tell me what time it is. But I had a client who was like, hey, like I want to know how to watch works. How, you know, break down your process for me. So I broke it down in a way that uh, really understood it. I felt good about it. And I was like, huh, get a little better at this explaining thing. And so I thought I'd share it. Um, on the podcast as an episode because I thought it was super helpful. So I think I think you might think it's helpful at, at all. But but you know where I started the conversation is what's what's actually a stock, right? And stock is ownership in a business. A lot of people think it's a piece of paper that you trade. You know, if you own a stock, uh, you're an owner of a business versus a bond where you're a lender. You're lending the business uh, money. So that's basic. You know, what's a stock? What's a bond one on one? And so my second step, and you know, all the data that I'm going to use for as far as numbers, uh, I, I, I get updated via this fund company I use called Dimensional Fund Advisors. They put out a matrix book uh, every year. So this is from 2019 matrix book, these numbers, and it gives you return data uh, for um, different asset classes. And so this is the 80 year return data I'm going to be listing. Uh, as I give out numbers uh, from the Dimensional Fund Advisors 2019 uh, metrics book. Uh, but uh, had the book with me, broke it down and said, hey, look, you know, the first step in investing is, is understanding um, the big picture, different asset class returns, right? So you have, you know, you have stocks that over the last 80 years have earned about 10.7%. This is a U.S. Uh, index. Uh, so Total stock market average return, 10.7% return based on their index. You have government bonds that had a 5.6% uh, average return over that same period of time. And then you have cash that had a 3.6% uh, average rate of return over that same period of time, right? So that's kind of foundational. You use that and then you go to the next step, which is step three, which is the goal, what's the client's risk tolerance? um and what's the economic environment and then you blend the stock bond cash mix based on those factors a 32 year old's portfolio that's super high risk uh in a uh, uh, economic period where things are growing fast will be built different than a portfolio of a 52 year old uh, that's moderate instead of aggressive uh in a more volatile economic time period where things are slowing down, right? And so combining those is, you know, a lot like um, chefs, you know, different chefs have their own style. There's no exact science, but it's all, you start with a basic foundation of knowledge of economics and asset class rates and which asset class match timeframes and what's uh, aggressive investor versus moderate investor, but you mix it together and you create a, a portfolio mix, right? Um, stock, bond, cash basic core mix right core ingredients so that's step three so you can have the core of the portfolio you know step four is digging deep into your uh economic assessment right so economics was you know um was what i mentioned before but 
I'm going to go deeper to explain it, economic analysis, because there's time periods where the market is growing, uh, and then there's time periods where the the market is slowing slowing down. And when it's growing, I like to be. This is my process. So when it's when when the when my analysis showing it's growing strong, I'm fine with being aggressive. But when the growth is slowing, I'm going to be defensive, right? And the defense doesn't mean you you go to all cash or bonds. It just means uh, you're more thoughtful about the amount of risk uh, that you're taking, right? And and I'm even talking aggressive. If it's an aggressive investor, I'm not saying the aggressive investor goes all the way to conservative. I'm saying within the aggressive investor's uh, portfolio, I might go a little more defensive in that portfolio. And that might look something like, you know, if I'm normally 100% in stocks, maybe going to 90, 80% uh, stocks, adding some bonds, right? Look, and I'm, I'm super simplifying because there's other more complex ways you can do it, like buying products that you know go up uh, when the market goes down. Um, but to keep it simple, the thing is when it's when the economy is when my numbers are showing the economy is healthy and growing fast, aggressive. When it's um, slowing, play some defense. Um, after you get the after you do the economic assessment of your analysis, which is you know, I won't explain it in this context of this podcast interview because it's deep. Then you look at the factors um, when you're selecting the, the types of stocks for your portfolio. There are certain factors that um, can trip that have historically led to outperformance of, of different stocks. And uh, I wrote a LinkedIn blog post on it. So go to my LinkedIn page, check out my articles. It's the latest article and it has links out to the original research. Uh, for for this specific specific deal, but there's research done that shows uh, those factors, um, and and there's lots of different factors, but I like to stick to the tried and true core ones, and it's you know smaller companies tend to outperform larger companies, uh, companies that are relatively cheaper tend to outperform more expensive companies, uh, companies that have momentum, meaning they've risen you know uh, more than most over a certain period of time, let's say six to six months to 12 months, um, uh, continue to do better, right? outperform companies that have lower momentum. And the last one is uh, quality, right? So companies that are uh, more profitable tend to do better than companies that are less profitable. And so uh, dimensional fund also in that dimensional fund advisors matrix books shows a different index for uh, the average stock return for stocks that have those uh, metrics, right? They put them in the index. And so to give you an example, uh, the, the small company advantage right, over the 80 year period of time, instead of the average stock market return of 10.7% I mentioned earlier, the small cap stocks with those factors uh, earned about 13.3% uh, over the 80 year period of time. Uh, if you go small companies that are cheap, so small cap value, relatively cheaper stocks, that return was 15.7% over that period of time. Adjust, you know, um, if you just, you know, don't go small and just look at regular, you know, regular stocks uh, as a whole, so large and, and small, like the broad stock market, which is, um, you know, uh, where I got the average from, so 10.7%. So if you look at all those stocks, then you say, we'll put more money in stocks that are relatively cheaper. Um, so they're not just small, all large and small. That return was about 13.2% by going for the ones that were relatively uh, cheaper, right? 
what's the point? The point is not using those numbers to project out these are the returns for the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It's, it's to say, okay, if I'm building a portfolio that has a longer time frame, somebody who's more aggressive, I can add more of these types of stocks um, to the portfolio to potentially increase the return, right? To increase the expected return of the portfolio, right? So um, that's one step deep about understanding the factors and building your portfolio with stocks that have those factors. And you can pick the stocks on your own and or you can buy mutual funds and ETFs that buy stocks uh, with those factors. Um, and again, I list some of the companies in the LinkedIn uh, post uh, on my page. Six, right? If when you're digging deep into stocks, uh, so you have the factors, right? Then you're, you want to narrow down further. Um, this is where a, a good understanding of business comes in. Hey, thanks, Tarsha. This is a good, this is a, you got to understand business, right? And this is where my love for, like, I love business. I love operating a business. I love studying about business. I love uh, investing in businesses. But if, if you pay attention to the digital world, and I did a, I did a podcast on this earlier, um, but in the new digital world, right? So, so you have major shifts in the economy that happen, you know, periodically throughout history, right? The last big one was uh, the industrial age. Um, and then inside the industrial age came, um, actually industrial age lasts for a long time. Now we're in the uh, digital, you know, digital age where things are going digital. And there are about five types of companies that um, are doing well and will likely continue to do well uh, in uh, this age, right? And it's companies that are um, the disruptors, obviously. So um, the Amazons, the Facebooks, uh, the Googles, the Netflix. Um, so those are like disruptors taking market share from the boring, stodgy old companies. Then you have companies that are big. They're big and they have the money and resources to compete. So think of uh, Walmart um, as an example of the most famous example of company that's big that could you know um, hold their own in this fight and have the resources to build right then you have companies that um, they're not disruptors but it's hard to disrupt them because they have strong brands so I like to use the example of Nike and Adidas um, I'm you know no matter if I go into Target or Amazon or whatever I'm not going to buy the Amazon version of Nike right I may go to their store and buy it or go to the Nike store and buy it but I you know, when I go buy some shoes, I want some Nikes because they're excellent, you know, on brand. Another example is, you know, phones. iPhone uh, has has great brand, right? And, and you know, Apple's unique because they're a, they're a disruptor uh, or were a disruptor, and they have strong brand. So, you know, they, many of these companies might fit multiple categories. Um, so you have disruptors, the big companies, the ones that are good at marketing, strong brand. And by the way, side note, the companies that have brand don't have to be small. If you're a small business, right, this is an advantage for you to protect yourself again, just not from the investment standpoint, just if you're running a business. If you could be excellent at marketing and branding as a mom and pop shop, uh, it's also an advantage for you as a small business because if you're competing against the internet, which is good on convenience, it's gonna be really hard. And so the way to protect yourself is through um, being good at marketing and brand and being excellent at communication uh, in the digital age, hence, the Ask Philip podcast, which is what I'm doing for my business and my brand. So um, that's three regional, right? Regional businesses that uh, focus in on the area. So you could think, you know, where I bank, Frost Bank, 
uh, or Whataburger, which we were all upset about being sold. Hopefully they don't change anything. Uh, but that's a specific example of like regional businesses that uh, you know are doing well in this environment because they're hyper-focused. They know they got uh, brand loyalty uh, in their area. You know, a lot of us associate our Texas pride uh, with with Whataburger, especially when you got garbage like in and out coming through and people debating whether that's a better burger or not, which is not even a debate. And I don't even know how we're having the debate, but that's the whole other story. So regional. Um, and then last is the um, uh, discounters, like low cost operators. So think of um, uh, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, which are growing a lot, Dollar General, which is a company I own. And by the way, I mentioned Amazon, Facebook, Google earlier. I also own those two, full disclosure for myself and my clients. But um, and, and there's a lot of reasons why that's going to work, but when you have income inequality happening the way that it is, the cost of living going up in America, uh, as far as like real estate and they get more expensive to live, people are more focused on um, how they spend their money and getting a good deal, right? But those five types of businesses, if you could, you know, if, the, if, if you get your fa if you get the economic situation right, and uh, you find businesses with those factors that I mentioned before and they're in one of those five buckets right um, uh, for a portion of my money and my clients money who I you know who I who I um, who are on the platform where I do the uh, individual stocks will buy individual stocks um, and we'll concentrate a portion of the money on um, uh, companies that check all those boxes and uh, or in one of those five buckets or multiple of those um, of those buckets. Um, you don't have to do that, right? You can just get ETFs and mutual funds that that do the factors um, and and you know potentially do well over time. But if you want to enhance uh, or potentially enhance you know what you're doing by adding some individual stocks, a concentrated part of your portfolio to it, and you understand business and you've done the homework and you can read up. Uh, profit and loss statement or and, and you can go through a 10k and you know the industry and you studied it right so for example i would not buy individual stock for like oil and gas companies or health care or biotech because i don't understand that industry i i can pay potentially see if they check by finding the, the the winners because i don't know those industries you know but i know retail i know media i know services and software uh, tech companies um, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty dangerous in that space when it comes to biology opinion. Like for fun, I like to study and read on those industries. So I'm fully aware of all kinds of things going on. And I have the technical um, uh, analysis skills to look at the math um, of all of it. Last two parts, right? Um, I mentioned seven, or I already mentioned seven. You can run a combination portfolio of stocks and ETFs and mutual funds or just mutual funds. So that's you know, part of what I do, I do both for different clients, depending on risk tolerance, size of account. Um, and then you got to manage your emotions, right? The most important part of, and this is, a, this is the most important part of investing, managing your emotions. Because you can have a well-built portfolio. And the beauty of, of owning real estate or the beauty of owning a private business is the price of your asset doesn't fluctuate daily. Right, you may buy a property, and if it's cash flowing and doing well, you're not seeing the value of it. You're not concerned with the day-to-day -day market changes that that are happening based on new information. Um, you're, you're concerned with the cash flow and what's going on there. 
a, a stock portfolio fluctuate daily, which for bad investors creates a problem because they may fail out of a well-built portfolio. And for good investors, like I love it. I love the fact that it shows the price because there's a lot of weak hands in the market, especially right now. Weak hands mean, meaning people who make emotional decisions instead of a decisions based on um, their knowledge and assessment um, and stone you know, and, and use their um, uh, um, and use emotions to take advantage of opportunities. So if they see a business that they like and they assess it as a good business, you know, for the long term, the long term can be five to seven years. It doesn't have to be a 50 years, but they see it's a good business for the next five to seven years, right? And it goes down, they're going to buy more, right? Or they see a ETF that owns a basket of stocks and that industry gets hammered or those stocks get hammered temporarily because of some tweet that went out Right, they're like, cool, I'm probably gonna buy more versus getting panicked out of a good portfolio because you're focused on making money every day, every week, every month or whatever. They're saying, hey, I'm gonna approach this like a private company or real estate and I'm gonna have a seven to 10 year time frame. And I'm, if I do my homework right, then I'm gonna stick with the plan as long as the information doesn't change, right? Because sometimes the information changes and that's why you gotta stay on top of it. You gotta constantly read, you gotta constantly be analyzing. But you're making your decisions based on your analysis and facts based versus what's going on in the market. Because in the short term, the market is just a voting machine, right? I stole this from Warren Buffett. It's a voting machine. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine. And so you want to be a long-term investor, right? So um, I did this in 17 minutes. I was really hoping to do this in like 12 minutes. So obviously, I have to continue to work on uh talking about this but um i just wanted to get it out there i hope it's going to help uh some people i know a lot was said that i probably gonna, probably gonna dig deeper on like economic analysis and maybe more on factors and more on the five buckets of types of companies that are doing well in the digital age um, but the core of it uh is foundational to understand uh, if you're a, an investor uh either doing your own money or uh, or you have an advisor um, this, I'm Philip Washington, a registered investment advisor uh, for my company, Stonehill Wealth Management. This information is for educational purposes and not considered to be personal investment advice. The information is not to be considered solicitation or purchase of specific securities. Investments are investment strategies, investment involves risk. No investment is to be less so stated. Individual listening to this podcast should be qualified investment professional or tax advisor for any information in this podcast episode. Enjoy your day.